0: Welcome to podcast number 19, Defining a Fullness of Iniquity. After Israel learned to keep the law of Moses as a nation, inheriting the promised land still depended on the indigenous inhabitants' degradation. Didn't God tell Abraham that his descendants could not enter the land he had promised him until the iniquity of the Amorites was full? Nephi sums it up this way, The Lord esteems all flesh in one, he that is righteous is favored of God, but behold, this people, the Amorites and Canaanites, had rejected every word of God, and they were ripe in iniquity, and the fullness of his of the wrath of God was upon them. And the Lord did curse the land against them, and did bless it unto our fathers. Yea, He did curse it against them to their destruction, and He did bless it unto our fathers unto their gaining power over it. Lest we assume the indigenous peoples had no access to God's word. Barak's rejection of Balaam's prophecy shows that indeed they did. Under Moses, a series of circumstances occurred that has never repeated itself. As mentioned, although God had bequeathed the land of Canaan unconditionally to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, after they had proven righteous before him and all men, he didn't grant it unconditionally to their descendants. Rather, the land was a blessing predicated on their descendants observing the law Moses had received from God. Under the terms of the covenant God made with them at Mount Sinai, to which all Israel consented, all were obliged to keep the law or they could not be blessed with the land. Covenant blessings, moreover, weren't limited to a land of inheritance, but extended also to the people's prosperity, to the increase of offspring, and to divine protection, blessings similar to those of Israel's ancestors. Simply being the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, in other words, never qualified a people to take possession of the land. They themselves had to obtain it, and God's covenant provided the means. Not only that, but according to the terms of the Sinai covenant, which is a collective covenant, a collective contract, not an agreement made individually as with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Israel could not inherit the land until the people observed the law of Moses to a man. Because Israel was was now a covenant people, God's servant and son, All were obliged to keep the covenant's terms. Those who recanted or pursued a different course perished in the wilderness. Recall that it took 40 years to get Israel to the point that it could take possession of the land. Only then was the holy war justified, if indeed one may call it that, which consisted of a prophet, Moses, appointing a military leader, Joshua, to lead the land's conquest. Following any other course would have put the nation at risk. Because so much of what is recorded in Israel's ancient history possesses the dual function of serving as a type of the future, the scenario of the Amorites or Canaanites' iniquity being full repeats itself in God's end-time day of judgment. Only this time around it is the Gentiles who are destroyed from their lands and the natural lineages of the House of Israel, the Jews, the Ten Tribes and Lamanites, who conquer them. We observe, for example, how ancient Israel's conquest of the Promised Land repeats itself in the end-time reconquest of the land of America. Quote, Behold the decrees of God concerning this land, that it is a land of promise, and whatsoever nations shall possess it shall serve God, or they shall be swept off when the fullness of his wrath shall come upon them. And the fullness of his wrath cometh upon them when they are ripened in iniquity. For behold, this is a land which is choice above all other lands, wherefore he that doth possess it shall serve God, Or shall be swept off, for it is the everlasting decree of God. And it is not until the fullness of iniquity among the children of men that they are swept off. And this cometh unto you, O Gentiles, that ye may know the decrees of God, that ye may repent and not continue in your iniquities until the fullness come, that ye may not bring down the fullness of the wrath of God upon you, as the inhabitants of the land have hitherto done. That's from Ether chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Jesus adds to Moroni's warning to the Gentiles as to us and links it to their rejection of the fullness of the gospel sometime after they have received it. At that point, Israel's natural lineages reinherit their promised lands, including the land of Jerusalem. Quote, And they, that is, the Gentiles, shall be a scourge unto the people of this land, that is, the Lamanites, nevertheless, when they shall have received the fullness of my gospel, then if they shall harden their hearts against me, I will return their iniquities upon their own heads, saith the Father. And I will remember the covenant which I have made with my people, and I have covenanted with them, that I would gather them together in my own due time, that I would give unto them again the land of their fathers for their inheritance, which is the land of Jerusalem, which is the promised land unto them forever, saith the Father. From Third Nephi 20, verses 28-29. to According to Jesus... Those events occur at the time he raises up his end-time servant, who brings forth the words of Jesus that are written on the large plates of Nephi. Quote, The life of my servant shall be in my hand, therefore they shall not hurt him, although he shall be marred because of them. Yet I will heal him, for I will show unto them that my wisdom is greater than the cunning of the devil. Therefore it shall come to pass that whosoever will not believe in my words, who am Jesus Christ, which the Father shall cause him to bring forth unto the Gentiles, and shall give him power, that he shall bring them forth unto the Gentiles. It shall be done, even as Moses said, they shall be cut off from among my people who are of the covenant. And my people who are a remnant of Jacob shall be among the Gentiles, yea, in the midst of them, as a lion among the beasts of the forest, as a young lion among the flocks of sheep, who, if he goeth through, both treadeth down and teareth in pieces, and none can deliver. Some 3 10 through 12. Jesus is quoting Micah in this passage, quote, And their hands shall be lifted up upon their adversaries, and all their enemies shall be cut off, yea, woe be unto the Gentiles, that's us, except they repent, for it shall come to pass in that day, said the Father, that I will cut off thy horses out of the midst of thee, and I will destroy thy chariots, and I will cut off the cities of thy land, and throw down all thy strongholds, and I will cut off witchcrafts out of the land, and thou shalt have no more soothsayers, thy graven images I will also cut off and thy standing images out of the midst of thee, and thou shalt no more worship the works of thy hands. And I will pluck up thy groves out of the midst of thee, so will I destroy thy cities. And it shall come to pass that all lying and deceivings and envying and strifes and priestcrafts and whoredoms shall be done away. From 3rd Nephi 21, 13 through 19. God's end-time servant, whom Isaiah depicts as a new Moses, initiates the house of Israel's gathering in a new exodus among all nations and their conquest of new promised lands that are vacated by the Gentiles. These events, therefore, are precipitated by the Ephraimite Gentiles' rejection of the fullness of the gospel after they have received it, at which point it turns back to Israel's natural lineages who gather to Zion. Thank you for joining us this time again, and catch you next time.